I know you're working your ass off. But don't quit. Just keep going. Make the decision. You're just never going to give up. That was the message that I needed. It's time to open your mind and expand your empire. You're listening to The Ted Huff Show. Join in for stories that embrace imperfections and become the inspiration you need to achieve true greatness in your life through actionable progress in the pursuit of self-discovery, self-improvement, and self-purpose. Where will your story take you? Now let's get it started with the man himself, your host, Ted Huff. Welcome to episode 23 of the Ted Huff Show. We have Calvin Wayman on, a successful entrepreneur, author of Fish Out of Water, host of the podcast Curious with Calvin Wayman, and the star of YouTube series Making a Millionaire. In this episode, he welcomes me into his kitchen to discuss the journey from polygamy to prosperity. All right. Hey, Calvin, I appreciate you uh, yeah. setting up with me now. This setup is (laughs) legit. It's making me realize I got to up my game or something because I'm surrounded by gear right now. We we got a little bit of gear going on. Yeah, it's just top notch. Like you're like, you got a camera here. You got a camera. Got a camera. We got a camera. Your audience is has got to be in love with you because this is a for real good setup. Uh, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. So before we dive into a whole bunch of stuff, um, I want to let everybody know kind of your background. I mean, obviously, your husband, father, uh, successful entrepreneur. You've been on numbers of stages. Most recently, a TEDx stage, which I'm, I'm super jealous, but I'll, I'll get there soon. So, Calvin, for those who don't know your story, help us understand what the aha moment was for you when you decided that polygamy was not for you. I remember the day the big thing cracked, not just polygamy, but the whole ideology, the whole upbringing. It actually, I don't think I've gone deep in this on any podcast yet. So I'm glad that you're starting here. Um, it, I went to a college class and I'm a first generation college kid. I have 45, I'm one of 45 siblings. And out of all of my brothers and sisters in my massive family, I'm still the only one that has left or that had gone to college. And I don't know if we just lost anybody and they're like, wait, did you just say 45? Yes. <laughs> I'm, you heard that correct. Just, to, just so you know, you're not hearing that wrong. So I'm one of 45. I have 44 brothers and sisters, one dad, four moms. And... I was always senate and insatiably curious. It's why my podcast is called Curious with Calvin Wayman is because I've always wanted to learn. I've, I've put myself through high school and got my high school diploma when I was 16, you know, and then I went and worked at my dad's construction company, learned that I didn't want to do that for the rest of my life, you know. It's one way to find out something you don't want exactly. to do. Exactly. And so then I went to college and we got to take electives. And one of the electives I took was a philosophy class. And at this time, I am so deep into everything. And like, I just thought, this is the way I'm going to live and, and, and everything. And I remember we, the, the whole theme of the philosophy class was based on the Matrix, which is cool. That's interesting. Yeah. Having, having a philosophy class based on the Matrix. Yeah, which is like, a pers- like we talked a little bit about, about perception, right? And Matrix is such a cool movie for like, how do you know what's real and everything like that. But one of the first sessions, one of the first classes 
we got told a story from Plato, uh, you know, the philosopher of Plato, right? Yes, Have sir. you ever heard of Plato's allegory of the cave? I've heard of it. Don't know it well. Okay. So I'll lay it out. And then like, this was the thing that shifted everything. So how the story goes is there are these people chained to chairs inside of a cave. Okay. And this is all they know though. So don't feel bad for them. Like they, they don't feel bad for themselves because it's all they know. So they're chained to chairs inside of a cave and all they see in front of them are shadows on the wall. And they get really excited when those shadows show up every day. Like that's the most exciting part of the day. Like they like talk amongst one another about the shadows. They philosophize about the shadows, what they mean and all that stuff. Like it's their everything. Their whole value system is based on this. Then one day, one of those people chained to the chair somehow broke loose from the chain, from the chair. And so what does he do? He turns around for the first time blows his effing mind because what he thought was, well, the shadows, he thought that was the, the, the only reality there was. That was the essence of reality. And then he turns around and let's say the shadow was a shape of a tree. He sees that somebody's holding up like a, a shape of a tree in front of a flame. What the hell's a flame? And then he says, what that's creating the shadow. Like again, their whole life, they've made the shadows everything and they have all of these things of what they mean and then like it's just somebody holding it up like the shadows are almost not even real to him it's like it was mind-blowing shook his entire foundation then he left the cave and that's where things went really crazy because now he's like he's seeing the sun for the first time he's like blocking it because he can hardly see and then <laughs> if it was crazy to see a shadow of a tree and then the shape of a tree then he sees a real tree and so he has this, this huge, uh, this crazy uh, identity crisis. Like he realized everything that he thought he knew was like, it was nothing compared to what this is. And so after the scarcity part went away, after he was like so freaked out of his mind, what do you think he wanted to go to? He was like, well, first of all, he was like, this is awesome. There's so much more than I to life than I realized. So he wants to go and share it, right? Okay. He wants to go tell his, other, his family, friends that are down there chained to the chairs. Like, guess what? There's so much more. Like, this is nothing. What you're seeing on the walls right now, these shadows, it's nothing compared to the beauty that's outside this cave. But what do you think they wanted to do to him? Chain him back to the chair. Chain him back to the chair. In fact, they wanted to kill him. And I think how the story ends, kill him they did. Because how they took it was, you're trying to take away our shadows? What do you mean? This, our shadows are nothing. You know, like that's, that's, that's everything, right? And so we get told this super interesting story and it was like, yeah, cool story. But then my professor asked us a question. She said, who are you in the story? Think about that. Who are you? Can you honestly in your heart say that you're the person that is seeking truth that you're leaving the cave, leaving everything that you know. You don't know what you're gonna find out there, but you're just curious for truth. <clears throat> you're leaving the cave to, to seek after truth and enlightenment, or how do you know? How do you know that you're not someone that is just sitting to a chair and you're chained and everything that you think is reality are just projections that somebody else is placing on you and everything that you think is real 
are just those shadows on the wall. Wow. And it was just the way that she framed it. It was enough for me to take a step back and think, holy shit. I think I'm in the cave. Because it was the first time, because I was homeschooled my entire life. Like everything I knew, and it, it was the first time I was like, yeah, I honestly can't say that I've left the cave. Holy shit, I think everything I know is, be, is other projections that other people have placed on me. And it was freaking scary, man. Like it was, it was huge. But that was the crack. That was the big holy crap. And that's what put me like on a path to really go deep and like want to figure stuff out. And it's been, a, it's been a long journey. So when you realize you're that person that is in the chair, I can only imagine that shift because I, I, I have a lot of friends that are, are veterans that have been to war and they talk about that, that re-entry back into civilian life. What was your transition like once, once you decided that you were going to, to leave that life? What was, what was the transition life? I mean, like you mentioned, you, you had, you're, you're one of 45 children. Mm -hmm. Going from a large group of people that were always there, I can only imagine that not having them to support you the way mm -hmm. they have required a bit of a transition. It's been a long road. It's been a long process. Like from that point, like, I don't know if you know this, it's only been, so I took my college, that college class was, was about a decade ago, a little over a decade ago. I only have officially left the religion about a year and a half ago. Oh, so, I didn't realize it was that soon. So recent, so recent. Oh, so wow. it was a long road and like a big piece of how the transition started was, first of all, when I had that call, when I had that experience realizing I was in the cave, first of all, it scared the hell out of me. Then it felt completely isolating because I was like, well, who am I going to talk to? Oh, like yeah. I couldn't talk to my family because they like it's, it was like it'd be like talking to somebody inside of the cave, you know. Like I think I found something else outside of the cave, and they have no context for it. Not that they're bad people; there's just no context for it. I was also afraid to talk to my my professors and stuff like that. So what I did is I just studied a lot, and what ended up happening is four years ago I quit my day job, cold turkey, and left Utah, where I'm from, and moved to Southern California. And that's where things really, really, really started to shift. And that's where the transition became easier and even more dramatic in, the, in a sense. Because when I was in college, I realized that the world is probably a lot bigger than I grew up thinking. But it's one thing to know it intellectually, and it's quite another thing to experience it. And so when I actually left, I can't even like left Utah just to move to Southern California to fulfill my dream of being a full-time entrepreneur. I can't even explain like the shift that leaving a bubble that you're so familiar with is. Like you can learn about other places, California or other parts of the world, but just being there and then not being in the echo chamber that you're used to, mm -hmm. like it just opened up my eyes to so many things. And so it accelerated the process like crazy. So I ended up meeting a lot of really cool people, uh, going to different churches and saying, whoa, this is crazy. There's some really good people in this church that they're not tied to my church at all. And then I would travel to places like Costa Rica or Israel, Thailand, you know, and saying, 
oh my goodness, there's so many people that uh, aren't even Western and their beliefs are working for them. And so it got to this point uh, near the end of 2017 that I was just having to get honest with myself and the honesty was, I don't buy this. I don't know if I ever did. And it was scary as hell. Scary as hell. And I think scary as hell is an appropriate statement because I feel like I had to face hell, like actual hell because and then there was so much fear because I got brought up being taught that there's only, very, there's only a, f a small number of things that God cannot forgive. Like you could probably forget a rapist, a murderer even, but the one thing you cannot forgive is when you were given pure diamond truth and then, were reject and then had rejected it. And so you were given this beautiful gift of being born in this one true church, knowing the truth that this is where it all is, and then you leave it, you cannot be forgiven in this life or the next. And so I had to really face that in myself, that am I facing actual hell? Am I going to go to hell for this? And that scared the hell out of me, you know? Actually, it scared it into me even worse. But then it made me realize I was, that fear was kind of creating its own type of hell in a weird way. And I, the thing that ultimately made me make that decision was, well, I would rather follow what I felt was right and be wrong even mm -hmm. than be held back just because of fear. And that actually, oh, that's so, so wonderful. Um, not the <laughs> that came out completely wrong. <laughs> no, I get it. <laughs> no, because, you know, you think about entrepreneurship, right? Mm -hmm. and, and going through that transition, did that help you make that decision? Did entrepreneurship help me make the decision to leave? No, the other way around. Did, did leaving decision, did decision of leaving help you with the entrepreneurship, understanding that you were truly cutting something off well, to go for something new? Well, the entrepreneurship thing happened first, and so I think that helped because again, I quit my day job four years ago and I started this journey of I don't know what the F I'm doing, but it feels like it feels right. That's what I talk about in fish out of water of like making decision, then making it right, or just taking consistent, imperfect action. And so I was already doing some of those things. I was doing stuff like I was doing things that was stretching my capacity of, of belief, my capacity of what one might think is possible. Like just quitting a safe, secure job and then moving to Southern California to be an entrepreneur, like that stretched me. It scared the hell out of me, but it stretched me. Then I was doing other stuff, even physically. I was doing Spartan races just to see if I could. I signed up for a 50 mile ultra marathon before I'd ever run a marathon before just to see if I could stretch it. So I had these things so that when it came to that point, that was the most difficult decision to leave my religion, to pursue my my soul's calling. It was the biggest surprise of that year. So, so the, the doing all those things that stretch you, that puts you outside of the, pushed you into discomfort. Yeah. Actually allowed gave you. Gave me the courage. Okay. Yeah. It gave me the courage to make that step because what I had realized 
what I realize now with hindsight being 2020 is I didn't have a lot of practice trusting myself. Okay. I didn't have a lot of because in my whole upbringing, you want to know who had the answers? Everybody else. Not, not you. Like if you want to have access to God, then go get it through the church. Go get it through somebody else. Read these books. You know, that's how you're going to get it. In fact, don't trust yourself because you don't know if you're going to be under a bad influence type of a thing. So that, those are some of the things we were taught. Okay. Uh, because you don't know if, if, if Satan's trying to trick you or deceive you. So that, there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of those pieces that, to, to, for control and fear. But the practice of going after my entrepreneurial journey, the actually taking action on my dream to being an entrepreneur is what gave me the courage when it got to that point to say, I'm going to go after what I actually believe in. And that is really tough because that's cutting off something that I knew for the first 30 years of my life. Wow. Mm. So in your, in your book, you talk about um, finding your gift and going with that gift. I think it's the Steve Over. Harvey section, mm -hmm. the, the jump mm -hmm. section. Mm -hmm. What do you see your gift to be? And then how did you find that? Uh, it's an evolving thing. This is something that I've learned. I love that answer, that it's yeah. evolving. Because it, a lot of people think that it's, it's, it's fixed. This is the problem if you don't realize it's evolving, I think. So many of us are trying to find that gift, the purpose of it. The reason you need to know it's evolving is you need to get into action to find it. Like, let me think of it this way. Think of another thing that might evolve, your taste buds. Uh, like, have you ever heard people say that if you don't like wine when you're 21, just wait, it's an acquired taste, right? Your palate's going to evolve, and it's true. Imagine somebody came up to you, and they're like, Ted, I'm distraught. I'm like, why, what's wrong? I'm like, I wanna find my favorite food. I want to find what food I'm passionate about. I don't know which, what food it is. So try a bunch of foods. Yes, that's what you would say. And it's like, what should I do? And, and it's even worse. Let's say you're saying this to you, they're, to, they're saying this to you and you're inside a buffet <laughs> as it's happening. That's life. <laughs> a lot of us, we go and like, we don't know what our gift is. We don't know what our passion is. But how do you find it? The same way with food. We'll go taste some stuff. My... Even who, who I am right now, like in my entrepreneurial journey, it's, it, it's evolved the type of business that I do. When I quit my day job, the only thing I had clarity on is I didn't want to be an employee anymore. I knew that that was against my core. If I was literally, if I was, if I was being honest with my soul, being an, an employee, listening to somebody else, like there was, like was, it was, it was death to my soul if I was being honest with myself. It, like I had all the rationalizations like, well, I have a family, I have these bills and all this stuff. But if I was like, well, am I doing it for practicality or am I doing it for actual, um, is, is it something like, am I actually following the calling of my soul? And I realized that I wasn't. And so after I finally quit though, the first thing I thought I was going to do was be a sales trainer because that's what I came from. But I did it, and as I did it, I was like, mm, it's something else. The gift is something else. And I realized, well, what the reason I like being an entrepreneur and stuff is I like things that are new, something that's helping the world now. And 
something that popped into my mind was social media. And at the time, there was this app called Periscope. You know, have you, are you familiar with that? I remember Periscope. Yeah, yeah. So I was, I was one that of that. and Mercats yeah, and a yeah, whole yeah. bunch of them came so out about I the same was, time. Yeah, so I was, uh, actually the first time I ever saw Grant Cardone, because we were talking about him before we recorded, was because of <coughs> um, Periscope Summit. It was the first Periscope Summit. I went to New York for the first time and he was like the keynote. But anyway, I was one of the pioneers of uh, Periscope. I was on it three times a day. I was, I was obsessed with it. And I was like, this is going to be my thing. It's where I got my first ever email subscribers. It's where I got my first uh, dollar actually online where somebody paid me for a product through Periscope. I was like, whoa, this is crazy. This, it's where internet entrepreneurship became real for me. But then Facebook Live came around. This little thing called Facebook Live, and it kind of squashed Periscope. And I went from there to creating the social media agency. And now I've kind of evolved into, over the past year, a business that's based around the TEDx talk. My business, the startup is called Prosperity Loop, that's helping people in the conscious community uh, shift the relationship with money and have a system around their finances. So I tell you all that to just show that the gifts that I'm bringing to the world have evolved over time. And there's different passions throughout all this, like my podcast, like my YouTube show and showing people the whole journey so they see a real sense so that, that whenever they go after their thing, it's not like just to say, look how cool I am. I want people to be able to follow it and, and get that if this dude can do it, then what, what's holding me back? You know, and so it's changed over time. And if I would say what my gift is today, that's outside of all that, I'm curious, like that legitimate, like that's a thing that like just helps a lot is I'm just genuinely curious and I've crafted the, the art of, I love figuring out ways to communicate in a way that it lands for people. I love speaking and stuff like that. So those are some of the things that I think it is now. So there's a debate. Okay against amongst the entrepreneurs okay on if you should burn the boats or or save the bridges so yep i know you have a perspective sure on do. burning the boats yep but what about the bridges okay so here's the thing um are they one and the same for you they're here's the thing so burning the bridges to me has a context around relationships like keep the bridges open for relationships. And so I'm not a big fan of the, of like just saying fuck you to some, unless people, so I think that that is actually a view I hold too. Some people like some of the, one of the bravest things you can do is not just telling people that you, that you love them. If you really do, there are some people that need to hear, go fuck yourself. Like if that's, if, if there are people in your life that you need to like make clear lines, that's true. But when it comes to the burn the boat thing, um, Particularly with entrepreneurship, this is a huge conversation. People ask, like, wonder, like, should you burn the boats to go after your thing? And I think this is a self-awareness thing. I think you need to see what works for you. Um, I'm a big fan of burning the boats because I believe I have a lot of faith in human beings and individuals and what i have found for me and what i've seen in other people is when they have to figure it out that's generally when they do and so for me it might have looked super irresponsible to quit my sole source of income 
to be a full-time entrepreneur when I have a wife and a one-year-old and a mountain of debt. But I tried all the other side hustle stuff. I was trying to do side hustle stuff with like network marketing, other small business stuff as my day job. And you want to know how well it worked? Yeah, okay. Like I made some money on the side, but it never actually worked. But man, when it was cut, when I had no money to rely on, everything, all cylinders were on. Like I was woke. Like I, my whole, everything was awake. Stressful, true. <laughs> like I, I'm not going to deny that. And right. in fact, like when I quit my day job to go all in on entrepreneur, when I burned those boats, like I experienced some emotional anguish that I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. And I really mean that. Like it was tough. But I was serious, and I think that's why you have, people have to be self-aware. Are you serious? Because you don't want to say, well, I'm just going to try this. That could be very traumatizing that you're like, I'm going to just burn the boats because you might scare yourself to death to do something like that. But I would say, see how serious you are. And for me, I think it is a very practical answer. There's, and it's not the only answer. There's people, I'm reading the book Originals right now. Oh, and, I love that book. Yeah, I've read it a, a couple book. times. Yeah. And it's interesting that there's actually several really cool people that uh, they didn't c quite burn the boats all the way. A lot of people have. And, they, they, and some people burned the boats in an interesting way that at least made, their, made it feel like it was real and pushed it down the road. Like Richard Branson looked like he was burning the boats when he was starting Virgin, but he did have that back deal that if, if the business didn't work out, he could have given the planes back for a refund. Oh, Virgin Air, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then uh, the Nike founder, uh, Phil Knight, mm -hmm. He had an accounting job through like the first five, six years. He, he, like he never, he never knew if Nike was going to work, you know? And so those are a couple examples of people that did it on the side. For me, I'm a big fan of if you're serious, what works for me is burn the boats. And it's not just about being ballsy and courageous. You need that and it'll bring it out of you. But for me, it's very practical. And so if I can find a way to like... Like, again, put myself up against the wall, very fucking uncomfortable. You have no other option. That's when you'll figure it out. All right. Love, love that answer because it is, it is something that you hear a lot, of, a lot of folks talk about. Just burn it, forget it, and go, and you'll figure it out. Don't worry about it. Don't mm -hmm. think about it. But they never get into, is that the right thing for you? Right. They, they, they look at it from their own perspective. Right. I love you bringing in that extra perspective of, if that is what you need, then do it. If yeah. it's not, then... Yeah, you know yourself. And here's a couple other things I would add. Um, first of all, there, like, if you're somebody that, you, if you have an idea, you're, you want to go tinker with it and create it and see if it's real, you can go ahead and try that. But <clears throat> I would be honest with yourself. Is there something, for anybody listening, is there something that you've wanted to do for a long time that's been on your mind that you can't get off of your mind that you want to do that you haven't gotten yourself to do. Like, I don't know what it is, whether it's starting a podcast, starting a business, like whatever it is, is there something? And if there is, then maybe burning the boats is what you need. Okay. Because even though it's scary, if you're serious, like if you, if, if it's stayed on your mind, you must be serious about that thing. Maybe, Maybe that's, the, maybe that's the kind of person that if it's something that's been over in your mind over and over and you haven't been able to kick it, 
and you've tried it, but it's just not quite working out. Putting your back up against the wall or cutting the cord or as Steve, using Steve Harvey's words, jumping towards your soul, towards your gift, maybe that's where it will really come out. So this is something you and I talked about a little bit off camera because um, I, I do suffer from some of these things, but I, I really want to get... You gave some really great insights, and I want to make sure that everybody else gets to hear it as well. Okay. There are a lot of people that have great ideas that get stuck in the analysis paralysis or the um, planning purgatory. They kind of get stuck in those little areas. How do you suggest they escape those areas of entrepreneurship? and to get into the entrepreneurship, if that's where they want to go. Yes. So I think that we, we've been conditioned through either parents or society or school to think that everything is supposed to be perfect. And then we become our own worst critic. And I think that's at the core of a lot of analysis paralysis. We want it to be perfect because in school there was one right answer. And so we think that's the one right answer. In entrepreneurship and in life, I believe that not only is there multiple answers, you sometimes don't know. Like we think somebody that is a big time analysis process. I was so this way before I quit my day job. Like I would wait till everything was lined up. All my ducks were in a row before I took action, but it held me back for so long. And so you were stuck in the planning purgatory. Totally. Oh yeah. I quit my day job when I was 27. I, w I be started school for entrepreneurship when I was like 20. And throughout the whole time I wanted to have a, have a business. Like I got married when I was 24 and I was like, we're going to, I'm going to have my own business 25. And then clock kept ticking, clock kept ticking, the clock kept ticking. So heck yeah, I was stuck. And then there's several things that I thought of, like the deathbed thing I think is good to insert here. And then I'll give the, the insight that I think helps people break it. I thought, what if like I was noticing this pattern year after year, another year's passed, what has changed? Not much. And so I was like, how long is this going to continue? What if I wake in another t wake up in another ten years and nothing has changed? In the exact same spot. Ooh. Yeah, feel that man. Like I was like, what if I wake up in another ten years? Not only has nothing changed. This is what I thought. What if I'm? Not, what if? Not, what if I'm not only in the same spot? What if I'm more stranglehold because of my life's responsibilities, and I can't move? Or worse, this was the worst thought of all that got me. It's like, what if the fire that I have right now to do something, what if it died because I never acted on it? Ooh. That scared the fuck out of me. The thought of that happening is what made me say, screw it. I would rather try and even fail. I'll go fail for 10 fucking years. I'll go fall flat on my face in this entrepreneurial journey for 10 years. And I have to believe that if I do this for 10 years, following my calling, I will be in a better position with more skills, more knowledge than I would if I just stayed in something safe and secure for a decade and then tried it. And so that's what made me say, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to quit.
So I did. And then here's the thing that helps me in the day-to-day of entrepreneurship. And I remind myself of this all the time because it's so easy to get caught up in everything needing to be just right. Again, we are our own risk critic. So entrepreneurs want it to be perfect, but it's not about perfect, it's about progress. And how do you have progress? Well, we think we need to know everything from A through Z, right? But it's, we don't need to know all the steps A through Z. The secret to entrepreneurship and I think life is to just find your three letters. You don't need all 26, you just need three. You need A, you need B, and you need Z. So what do those represent? Z is the general direction of where you wanna go, where you're trying to get to. And most of us wanna know that, or they kinda know, like for me, I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. That was my Z. A is where are you now Mm -hmm. in relation to that. (coughs) And then B, is simply your next step. If you do that, if you have the guts to just take your next step, that is the formula to making it work. So, and that's interesting you bring that up. And you and I were talking about uh, Powerful You Mm -hmm. from last year. And I remember sitting down with with Bo Lotto, Mm -hmm. um, as we were mentioning before we were turned on all this fun stuff. And he even took it a step further. And the idea is that B isn't even the next step. It's not A. What do you mean it's not A? Is this a perception conversation? It is. Okay. It is. It goes into the perception because we perceive yeah. that the next step would be B. Right. But the actual next step is not to be on A. Yes. So it's somewhere between A and B. Right. So that's that's totally just get off of perception. Exactly. Yes. No. Like that's the thing. And so once you're in motion, you're in movement. You're in motion. Stuff happens. Moving, like yeah. you, you met. I remember you said the word somewhere off air. So you use the word like serendipity and stuff, or something like that. Uh, probably. If you want to really get a sense of serendipity or or uh, the universe dropping amazing bombs on you, be in action, following your vision. Shit just happens. Like it's crazy the things that open up when you're doing the thing that you feel called to do, even though you don't know exactly what's gonna happen on the other side. And yes, it is scary. It's freaking scary. Like, you're taking steps, you're like, I don't know what's on the other side of this, and that's where trust comes in. And you had a trust in either a higher power or yourself, you know? I always like to think of the reason the explorer isn't afraid to enter the forest isn't because he knows everything he's going to find in the forest or the jungle. It's because he trusts himself. You know, that's where it's worth. Like, if you can have that, then that journey will be a lot more smooth. So between A and Z, um, I'm assuming you're like most people and things don't go as planned? All the time. So during that period of time, what would you say is your most memorable failure That in hindsight is like that is why this thing became or why I have gotten to where I've gotten to or that led me into the biggest success that I had to date. Um, There was a time when I was doing my door-to-door biz where, man, I was doing everything right and nothing was working. 
Like so you said, right. Yeah. By the way, for those who are listening, he used air quotes. Yeah. And what I mean by that is, first of all, people say 80 plus percent of success is showing up. Okay. I was working my face off and this could, I'll try to keep this story short, but there, it was, it was deep be, um, what I'd learned this particular day. So I was showing up doing door knocking on doors what throughout my training and stuff when somebody was helping me get started we were getting a deal at least one deal every day right and so i knew that i could get a deal every day if i hit a certain number of doors right and so i was hitting that same number of doors like 45 to let's say 45 to like 70 doors a day that's a lot of it's doors a lot of fucking on. doors and so you might be like well that's a lot of rejection yes you're right and that's why you need to get a deal so that you don't go crazy, right? <laughs> yeah. So, um, but that on average, sometimes some days we got two, some days three, but certainly one. So, but I moved my whole family. Uh, we put everything in a U-Haul. Scariest thing of my life. I, I can't even remember that. I think I, I don't know if I feel really good admitting this, but I think I had to have somebody forge how much money I was making so I could get an apartment in Southern California because I was making no money and it was, th and I agreed to pay rent that was three times the amount that what I was used to paying in Utah on the bet that I was going to make it. Talk about burning the boats. I'm not only burning wow. the boats. I'm like putting all these Dude, things. You like, set the ocean on work. fire. Yeah. I was like, this better freaking work. Yeah. I can't even try to swim back. Right. And I go knocking day one by myself after my family's moved and guess how many deals I got that day. I'm like on fire. Right. So it's, like, I'm like, I'm going to get a like ton. Guess how many I got? Based on the question, I'm guessing it's a big old goose egg. It was a big old goose egg. And it scared the hell out of me. Because like, what, what the heck? Because like, you just got done moving yes. everybody to Southern California. Yes. No income. And then I go out there day two. Zero. Then day three. Zero. Now I'm freaking out. Three days in. Again, but like 45 to 70 doors every single day. I'm questioning reality at this point. Everything that I knew, I'm like, what? Like I'm following all the right things. I'm working. There's no, and I've done sell, phone sales. That's where I've come from. And like, why is this not working? Is the universe playing some trick? This is crazy. Like, and <clears throat> I started to question everything, question myself. It was like everything. I was like, no, like, I moved here for a reason. Like I'm meant to do this thing. What's going on? And I had this really weird moment of like, just a lot of questions of what I should be doing and like, if I should go back and like all this weird stuff. But I was like, no, I'm going to keep going. I got there day four, door after door after door, still zero. Then day five, door, 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 zero. And I just can't even tell you that almost like the, the terror mixed in with, in a weird numbness. Like I couldn't, ju I just couldn't believe what was happening. And I was so confused of just all of reality. And I, I was, a, I had a phobia of dogs at the time. And that was the only thing, like the only people I saw were people that were slamming the door in my face were dogs that I felt like were going to eat me alive. And I had fears of like them biting me. I didn't have health insurance. Am I going to have to go to the hospital? What's going to pay? Who's going to pay for it? And then going in gated communities and having neighbors call to get my car towed. What's going to happen if my car is towed? How am I going to get the car out? It's my only vehicle. I have no money. Like if, if my car did get towed, like so many effing fears, man, so many fears. 
and I went out again. So day five, day six, still zero. Day seven, I'm still at zero. How, how long did it take to get that first win? So what happened was on day seven, um, I went and knocked on this guy's door early in the day. His name is Frank. I'll never, I'll never forget Frank because Frank did something amazing. I gave him the whole pitch, which was awesome because most of the people out of that, all those days, I couldn't give the whole pitch. I was selling solar and I thought that would be the best thing to sell in Southern California. Well, turns out there was a lot of other people that thought that was a good idea. So that I was the 15th person they saw that month. And so they just hear the word solar. Many people are just like, fuck you. I don't want to hear another solar company. Get out of here. But I gave him the whole pitch, which surprised me. And then he said something that's really surprised me. He said, you know what? This sounds good. Yeah, let's do it. So Frank bought. I wish this was the end of the story though. So after Frank bought, like I had this feeling of relief come over me. I'm like, yes, okay, thank you. I mean, I should have at least like seven at this point, but at least there's, this is a sign. Thank you. Like, cause if like for a wholesale going through for me, it was, it could be like two to $5,000. So it was real money. It was worth to keep going. And after I'm done taking down all of Frank's information, the final thing I have to do is just call the public utility company and say, here's Frank's information. And uh, it was actually a credit check company that we were tied to, but they, what we did was something called a public utility credit check that just made sure he paid his bills on time. It was a soft credit hit. So, because it, that was just part of the process to get panels. So I called them, gave him Frank's information. I give Frank the phone. <clears throat> All he has to do is confirm, yes, that's my name. Yes, that's my address. And we're good. I give him the phone and he's like, you know what? Even if it's a, a soft credit check, I don't want to do anything. I don't know why you're doing any credit stuff right now before panels are on the roof. You know what? Cancel everything. I gave him that same look. <laughs> I gave him that same look. My, I was like, what the fuck is he doing? Like, I remember thinking that and I had my wow. notebook. I literally reached over to Frank, the grabbed the phone. Oh, dude, just thinking about I that. grabbed the phone from Frank. Imagine all these things of everything I just went through the last day and like needing something and I'm getting one and it's going away. I'm like, Frank, we're, we're good. Like, it's not even like, Dude, this is not even going to stay on your credit. This is just to show that you pay your, your utility bills on time. Do you pay your utility bills on time? He's like, yeah. I was like, okay. All you got to do is say, yes, that's my name. Yes, that's my number. We're good. I hand Frank the phone. He puts it up to his ear. And we're just staring at each other awkwardly. It was like the weirdest 15 seconds of my life. It probably it felt like 15 minutes. Like just how awkward it would be. I mean, even us and yeah. friends, right? And so, <laughs> I'm like, like yeah. how, how would that feel? And I'm like, what's... And then Frank says, okay, you know what? Calvin taught me back into it. I'm going to do it. But I hope your CEO is listening to this because I still think it's dumb to have anything to do with your credit this early before the panels are on the roof. Actually, I just talked myself out of it this time. I'm for real this time. Cancel everything. You have my email, right? Send me an email confirmation showing me that you canceled it. Click, handed me my phone and said, sorry, bro. And I left. I went in my car and I lost it. I 
all the emotions. I probably did that first. I probably sat in my chair and I was like, what? And I'm trying to think of all these things that I'm doing. And I was like, I can't fucking do this. Like, is this, if this is what going after your dream feels like to be an entrepreneur, if this is like, I, when I'm doing all the right things, I don't think I can do this. And then I just started losing it. I started screaming. I screamed my face off. I'd never done this before. It surprised me like later looking after I was like, what the fuck does this mean? Just yelling out. You were like pure primal. Yeah. I went pure primal yelling out to God of the universe. I was like, what does this mean? I'm working my ass off. You know, what does this mean? Give me a message. Give me something. And I just lost it. And I actually ended up uh, working the rest of that day, ending with nothing. And as I was leaving the neighborhood, so fucking pissed and so hurt, almost like a, a betrayed. Like I was like, what is, seriously, God, like you, if there's something, what does this mean? Give me a message. Give me something. Like what, why is this happening? And a little voice, if you want to call it that, came to me and was like, Calvin, go back to Frank's house. It's like, what? Why would Put I, myself through all that all yeah, over I was like, again? Why would, I, why would I go back to Frank's house? He's the one that started this whole mess. And it's like, besides, he already said no. Twice. Yeah. And then it occurred to me, well, go back to your uh, phone cell days. You've handled more than one no's that have turned to yeses. He already said no, so what more do you have to lose? And so I go there, and it's dark at this point. And Frank, I'll never forget this, I ding the doorbell, and I give what is probably in the history of closes the most pathetic close you could ever give. I see him come in the light, and, I, and as soon as he comes out, I just like, Frank, why don't you just do this? <laughs> and he does that. He starts to smile. He comes out and he says, you know what, Calvin? I'm going to do it. Now I was really confused. I was like, what did you just say? He's like, I'm going to do it. He says, I'm going to do it, but I want to tell you why. He says, I'm an older guy and I've been around a time or two and I know that the people that truly succeed in this life are the ones that just decide to never quit and just never give up because I, and so I'm going to do this and it's not because of solar. It's not even about the credit check. I'm going to do it and it's because of you. Oh shit, dude. Because you didn't quit. Because you came back. Wow. I'm going to give you the order. And he did. For real. That time. And I get goosebumps and everything every time I feel it. I started getting teary-eyed. And <laughs> dude, that's the dude. That's huge though. So huge. The 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 way that something like that will change your perception of what is enough or what it takes is that just that's unreal 
And it was just in such the perfect moment. I was in such the perfect place to hear that. And then the, here's the craziest part about the story. Like he puts his hand on my shoulder because I was taking down his order again. I was like crying. It's like, oh shit, this has been a heavy day. <laughs> it's been a heavy last seven days. And remember how I was saying I was screaming in the car, like I'm working my ass off. He puts his hand on my shoulder, makes me look up to him. And I was like, give me a message, give me something. He has me look at him. He's like, Calvin, I know you're working your ass off, but don't quit. Just keep going. Make the decision. You're just never going to give up. That was the message that I needed. So a story to answer your question, because that was it. That was one of the toughest moments, one of my darkest days that has helped me through a lot of other dark days. Because in life and in entrepreneurship, there's a big conversation around, around mental health. I think it's a good thing. There's a lot of, I mean, I deal with days that I feel super stressed or super anxious or maybe borderline depression. And just having that realization that, but I'm not completely done. I'm going to hit another door. I'm going to do something else. I'm making the decision to do not that quit. One more thing. Yeah. And it, over time, by the way, things didn't just become sunshine and rainbows after Frank. Like people might say, did you just make a shitload of money? And well, I had some good days. Well, because of Frank, I had my first $10,000 a month as an entrepreneur from that, like the next 30 days. But I had other dark spells, uh, dry spells where I was getting nothing. But I developed this at the time. I felt like a fucking bulldog. I, like I felt like I was in this battle almost this love-hate relationship with the universe i was like am i not being clear enough this is what i want <laughs> and i am going to be committed to give it so you decide you can make it really easy universe and just give it to me because i'm not going to fucking stop until i get it and just that attitude and that decision to once i lock in on something i'm not going to stop until it happens, until I get it. I'm very grateful for that time. It's helped me a lot. Yeah. Wow. With us getting to the four year mark mm -hmm. anniversary, however you want to call it, of, of diving headfirst into entrepreneur, entrepreneurship, what would you say? And, and I think you may have hit on it already, mm -hmm. but what would you say is a belief, behavior, or habit? that has become a non-negotiable that's helped you just keep growing and keep making that evolving your gift to give you that sense or that your a non-negotiable that that has developed it could be since developed. my day that since since that point yeah so what yeah. is what is something that has become a non-negotiable that you do every single day that has helped you meditation become, okay <laughs> i did not have it i did not have that habit back then and when did you pick it? When did you In fact, I was meditation? meditating when you came here. Yes, you were? Yeah. Um, I picked it up during the door-to-door -door stuff because the head chatter was so fucking loud. Dude, it was so loud. Like, when you're going through stuff, I picked, a lot of people pick it up because the, it's becoming a, a, a tool. Like, it's becoming a popular tool and people are like, I'm going to try this meditation thing. I didn't try it because it was cool. I tried it because I needed it. Like, I just need something to calm me down. But, and it was really interesting when I started to pick it up because it, it was actually, it made me feel worse at first. 
Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and this is what I that's, since learned. That's not what you hear most of the time. Yeah, but this is what I realized. Before, if I was having these feelings, I would like try to resist them and like push them away. And when I started meditating, I was like, I'm doing these guided meditations, and and it brought the feelings up. So now I was like feeling them and like so feeling through to, them. Yeah, to deal with it, and so it was it was heavy. It was, it was heavy at first, but. I'm a big fan. I'm not perfect at it, but I try to do it fairly consistently. Doing things like that to unplug and reconnect to yourself, huge for me. Something I do some other things that I'm a big fan of for unplugging. Um, once a week. I mean, again, I'm not. <clears throat> I'm the my biggest hypocrite of my own stuff because I know it works and I'm, I fall off the wagon too sometimes. But when I'm doing it the best, meditation daily, and then once a week I do something called a reset, where I unplug from everything and kind of reflect on what I've accomplished for over the last week and then recommit into my vision. So I'm looking at my vision letter. I actually have a, what I'm creating over the next year and like planning towards that, that helps. And then once a quarter, I do something that I call a recalibration. So calibration is like calibrating, getting closer to something. I changed it to like recal towards like you're doing it again. And that's also a plan. My name Calvin. So my shorting thing is recal, like <laughs> reconnecting to myself. Um, but with my recalibration, I disconnect from everything for about three days. Oh, wow. No email, no social media, no responsibilities, not even conversations with my family. Um, by the way, that, that's pretty drastic. I work like some people have had this, they've had profound experiences just doing this for a day. Like people I've had this, that I've had do this, like it's profoundly changed their life. And they're like, holy crap, I don't think I've done this for a decade. Or I don't think I've ever done this. Because even when they go on vacation, they're either on their phone or they have somebody with them. I usually go somewhere outside of my normal routine. Like it could be, I like to be in nature. Like I've done Nashville in nature, just even going to Vegas and disconnecting. I, I, I love the the Blue Ridge Mountains. Yeah, that's I I did something similar to that. It's been a number of years, but I I took a, a entire weekend. I didn't do it completely alone. I took my dog with me. But, that's pretty alone. And we we spent three days just sleeping in in the truck. That's awesome. And just sitting out there. And it was it's easy to, for things to get loud, and so. For me, meditation and these short little um, disconnects are ways to just get really still and find out what the right next step is. Even tied to what we talked about earlier, you know, what's the next step? You know, it, it kind of helps to get clear on your vision, but sometimes we just get stuck in those things like, what should I actually be doing next? Like, what's the next thing? And <clears throat> those weekends are invaluable. I love them. They really helped me reconnect to myself. I won't come up actually. I like to close out with giving the listeners and the viewers three tactical items to help them take their life or business to the next level of success. Okay. So what three things would you suggest that someone use or do to take their life or business to that next level of success? Well, they should get the call map if they haven't, um, if you want to pick up guided meditation um, for starters. Um, two of them, can I give like almost like a, a mindset you can, tip? Yeah you, yeah, you can definitely do sweet, that. Sweet, sweet. So 
the so that's the first thing I'd say if you want to like get quiet and stuff, uh, take uh, get the call map as well. There's also something called Headspace that's good. I like the call map; it has a lot of variety, and there's also that's my favorite music. one too. Yeah. I've I've tried a number of them, but yeah. Calm definitely is my favorite. Yeah, so like not right sponsored now. by Calm. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not either. And so like right now, like part of the thing, like I again, I there's stuff that I do with all the I time. Love so like, bedtime stories. I have I've I've checked them out a little bit, but not a ton. But like right now. Honestly, like I'm the, my life's struggle is getting back on track, you know, like, so I, they have a session literally getting back on track, like how to break through boredom, how to break through, uh, procrastination. I have a big project that I've just been kicking the can down the road for far too long. And I'm just like, let's get this motherfucker done, you know? Uh, so I really like the calm app. Now, second thing I would say is you need to join the CIA. Like that's the second tip. You must become a member of the CIA. So what I mean by joining the CIA, I don't mean uh, the secret services. CIA stands for consistent imperfect action. Literally every single successful person that I know of that I study, if I go back far enough in their story, they become members of the CIA. Steve Harvey, who we mentioned, Gary Vee, any entrepreneurs that I look up to, uh, Richard Branson, Oprah Winfrey, Ellen. uh, Again, we are our own worst critics in life, and we want things to look just right. But the secret is it doesn't have to look just right. It just needs to be perfect. So if you join the CIA, just take consistent, imperfect action, you can't help but win. Then the second thing is a mind trick around decision-making. So... I think a lot of the theme around this whole episode has been movement towards your gift and to get moving in the right direction. And so this last tip I think can help to tie it all together. Sometimes we might worry of what if I make a decision and we go down, I go down a certain path. What if it doesn't work or what if it's the wrong path? Right. And so my answer is just this understand what really successful people do is successful people don't worry if they made the right decision or not. Instead, they make the decision and then they make it right. So let me just unpack that just a little bit. So I'm glad you brought that up because it was in my notes to go over. Oh, nice. But for some reason, I skipped completely over it. But oh, yeah, definitely, sweet. definitely, because I, I called it decision remorse. Yeah. So yeah. That, so let's, let's unpack have, that a little bit. Yeah. So uh, the secret is it's not the point of decision that made it right or wrong. Because I think we were conditioned to think that once it's decided, it's done. No, not in entrepreneurship and not in life. Uh, I give a silly example in my book that if a person was getting married to Susan, let's say, if he acted as though, I'm not sure if that was the right decision, what's going to happen with his relationship? He's going to look at Barbara, Sally, Pamela, all these other women, he's like, maybe that's who I should have married. What's going to happen with his relationship? It's inevitably going to fall apart. But if he married Susan, like, that's the decision. I'm going to make it right. Treats it as though it was the right one. He's focusing on his wife. He's doing everything. He's, look, he's noticing all the good things, why it was the right decision. And the relationship naturally flourishes, right? So we have two completely different scenarios. One where the relationship ended, one where it flourished. But this is what I want to show you. It's the same decision. point of decision. It was just the difference was how it was treated at the decision was made. This happens big time in life. Um, I remember when I hired my first business coach, it was 20 grand. 
I didn't like 20 grand was like the amount of my three cars I'd ever owned. It would have been really easy two or three months in, like, I don't know if that was the right decision, but I'd just get fucking screwed. But I was committed. I was like, no, there, maybe there's a learning curve here. I've seen success from this other guy. So it made me, it would have been easy to look for the problems. Maybe I wasn't ready yet, but I was like, I'm going to make this right. And so it made me run through brick walls. I otherwise wouldn't have run through doing what he said to do. And eight months from the point of investing is when I became debt free for the first time in my entire adult life. And, that, that, that. and that's, that, that's not like a small, small number either. No, you, what was it? I was 53 grand in debt. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm a big, so big did that fan. 50, so I have to ask, did that 53 include the 20, the 20? Yes. The okay. Yeah. So 53 total. So that plus 33 ish okay. other grand paid it off in about tw- um, eight months from the point of hiring the business coach. And so the point is it's, it's the energy, the focus and the intention and attention that you put into a decision after it's made that will ultimately determine whether it's right or not. So to wrap up those three, get the call map, join the CIA, consistent imperfect it's consistent imperfect action, then make whatever decision is that you feel called to make and then make it right. What is the best way for everybody to get a hold of you? I know we've, we've covered a bunch of stuff here. I know you and I have interacted over, over Facebook and Instagram. Instagram is the best place. Um, if you go, uh, my Instagram is just Calvin Wayman. Oh, Ted Huff just started a live video. I wonder what that is. Um, <laughs> anyway, so um, Instagram is the best place. Just Calvin Women on Instagram. I mean, uh, the podcast, if they just search on whatever their podcast that they're listening to, Curious with Calvin Women, it's on Spotify, iHeartRadio, of course, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you listen to podcasts, Curious with Calvin Women, that's probably the best place to hang out. Well, we'll go ahead and be sure to put um, links in the show notes and make sure you guys can get access to everything. There's even a nice little link that describes the CIA his book that we'll go ahead and put in there for you so you can get direct access to that and again calvin i really appreciate it man i appreciate you inviting me into your home and and going through this with me i really appreciate it thanks for bringing the gear and yeah we went deep so this is going to help someone that's it for this episode of the ted huff show but we know you're wondering where you go from here tedhuff.com makes it easy for you to get notifications for new episodes specialized contests exclusive giveaways and upcoming events simply by signing up for our mailing list you'll get access to all this and more by visiting tedhuff.com that's t-e-d-d-h-u-f-f.com until next time open your mind and expand your empire right here on the ted huff show Thank you